This week on Garden Time, we're going to extremes. The weather is changing and your garden is feeling it. What can you do about the climate and how it affects your plants? Changes in the air and in your garden. We talk about it all next on Garden Time. Garden Time is brought to you by Capital Subaru in Salem, Oregon. Start your new Subaru story at Capital Subaru. We are like nothing else. From the moment you step through these doors, you see it, you feel it. We do things differently here. Our people, our culture, our customer experience. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll upgrade the way you shop for Subarus. When you're just browsing, need great service, or starting your next adventure, we're always here for you. It's your story at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway. Welcome to the Garden Time Podcast. We're based in the Pacific Northwest of the United States in a Zone 7 region. This deals with plants that can survive at approximately zero degrees Fahrenheit or warmer. I'm producer Jeff Gustin with your hosts, Judy Alaruzzo and Ryan Seeley. Welcome to Garden Time. Um, we'd love to thank Capital Subaru, our friends in Salem, Oregon, for sponsoring us again. Um, as a great supporter of the TV show for many years. I'm producer Jeff. Ryan Seeley, Judy Alaruzzo are here. Um, and today, we're going to go back a little bit. Okay, so last time we did the plant lists, and we were talking about peperomia. And a friend of ours, Rick Naylor, Mr. Jokester, um, said he really enjoyed the podcast. The question he said, he bought a peperomia, it did well, but he put it on his pizza and it tasted terrible. So, <laughs> That's right. so he wanted an answer. Okay, so what was the answers that we came up with? Um, did he slice it thin enough for the pizza so it got done? Yeah. And was he cooking it outside? Right. Was it was it baking on the outside barbecue in his Traeger <laughs> or in his pizza oven? Right, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because it's an indoor plant, Rick. So, um, but yeah. So if you guys have questions about that, even joking ones, we would be happy to answer those. But peperomia is not edible. It is an indoor plant. And uh, thank you, Rick, for the question. So this week we're going to be talking about extremes, and um, we're going to start with weather. So this spring, well, actually these last few years uh, here in the Pacific Northwest. We've had ice storms, um, smoke, smoke, smoke extreme um, heat, extreme heat. Extreme we had the heat. heat, what's called the heat dome, which was last year. And that was 116 here in right. June, For right as days. plants were just getting right. established. And we get atmospheric rivers. Yes, 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 which are just weeks and weeks of rain. Right. We've had a record, lot of them. It's, yeah. record rainfall this year. Um, so let's uh, talk about, first of all, let's talk about for a lot of people on the East Coast and here in the Northwest snow and ice mm. so when as a gardener when you're encountering this what are you looking for to do for your plants can you do anything you know it's mother nature is always always a difficult one to <laughs> kind of predict but there's a lot of times what we'll know ahead of time that a storm may be coming in you know we'll get some extreme stream cold weathers and it kind of as far as our plants go it will kind of depend on how we want to protect them a lot of times if there's you know if we're going to have a snow event followed by some cold a lot of times that snow, a little blanket of snow, will actually kind of protect and insulate our plants, um, where you might want to leave that on the plants so when that cold weather hits, it is a little bit more insulated. Right. And then sometimes, though, that snow, it's too much, and then it starts breaking the plants. You know, it just kind of stays there for so long, then it turns to ice, and then you get breakage. So that's dangerous, too. So it's kind of, you have to know your plants or know the structure of your plants. Um, and then um, I think, too, the, sometimes there's nothing you could do. 
you know, people go out there, they'll put like two by fours under branches and you try to save those branches as much as possible. So are there trees that are more susceptible to breakage? Are there brittle trees? There, there are some trees, you know, say like a birch tree mm-hmm. or an ash tree that, you know, so I mean, typically the faster the growing the tree, right. the more brittle it might be. You know, an oak is a lot slower growing, so it's going to be a little bit more stable and able to withhold some of the, right. some of the branching. Um, but if you get into like an ash tree or typical known for being kind of a fast growing, yet kind of a brittle, brittle wood. So you're going to get a heavy snow load on there. You may be getting a lot more damage. Right. And conifers, they're, they're made to shed snow just because their nature, they're, they're usually a colder weather plant or tree. So I think that they're kind of made for that. And so you wouldn't have to worry so much about those. So, um, would pruning help? If you're going to be, you know, it's summertime now, would you hire an arborist? Would reducing the number of limbs help or does that create more problems? Yeah, you know, typically overall, you want to always kind of evaluate your, your trees mm-hmm. in, your, in your yard. You know, being for like wintertime, you know, if you're looking at for, for disease and pest issues, um, winter protection, it's something you should be doing all the time regardless of if it's a weather or not, just to make sure you have some structure. Because sometimes you you might have had a branch that's been broken out of a tree where it's gonna open it up to maybe some insect diseases later, or it makes that tree off balance. So Mm -hmm. you have a lot of weight that'll be on one side of the tree, not on the other. You might wanna have an arborist kinda come look to see if you're gonna have a danger as far as if that tree gonna fall over and have issues later, if that ground gets super saturated wet or if you get a big snow event so it's always a good idea to kind of evaluate your your trees to make sure that you know they are a structure that that is safe and we have in the past we've had um, limbs taken down during mm-hmm. the summertime that are dead right. that's not any danger to our home but it can come down and knock out a fence or whatever sure. so um so what about frost cloth and protecting shrubs judy do you recommend that at all um, I think from it, snow damage and ice damage. Yeah, I think if you know that you have a plant that's maybe kind of temperamental, it's maybe that's on the edge of that hardiness, or you know that it, it has had problems in the past. I think that being preventative like that, it's not going to hurt, you know. Or sometimes you get those early snows that it's like it's been so warm, and then all of a sudden we get a snowstorm. I mean, that's happened in the late spring. Um, it comes out of nowhere, and so yeah, go protect those plants. So it's just like Ryan was saying, just watch the weather. Yeah. You know, just be cognizant of it and just be proactive. Right. If you're typically going to have, you'll live in a climate where you're going to have months on end of cold weather, it's going to be a lot harder to try to protect mm-hmm. a plant that's not supposed to live through the winter. <laughs> right. Whereas, you know, sometimes you can get away with, you know, kind of some zonally challenged plants right. that are, might want to, you know, cross over, you know, like here in the Northwest, you know, we we can kind of get away with doing some bananas. Right. Right. So they'll, you can protect the trunk in the wintertime because we don't have long periods of, of cold. It may come for a few days where you can insulate the trunk and protect that. Otherwise, you know, maybe it's just enjoy it for the year and then replant it. Right. right. Definitely. <laughs> so you were mentioned earlier about the la- layer of snow sometimes uh, creating insulation for the plants. And I, I, I remember when we did the TV show, people were always asking about pruning and, and what to cut and everything else. And what does nature do before man came along with pruners? It pretty much pruned itself or it just grew and then broke. And, and that layer of insulation on the buds, how late do you wait to see if there's real damage? Mm, I think that's case by case. Yeah, so in, you know, it depends on the right, plants. Typically, in, you know, if you have a late where that, that plant has already started to leaf out and bud in the spring and you have a real late 
hard freeze or frost, you're definitely going to damage damage that bloom or that bud and, and reduce. So on like a fruit tree or a grape or something like mm -hmm. that, I know the spring, you know, or grapes, we had a late, late frost that did damage um, that bud that had just come out. But those grapes kind of rejuvenated and re reflushed a new bud, so you'll get some of that. But sometimes if it's in full bud, there's not a lot you're going to do to be able to get an apple tree to get its more apples on it. Right, there's time. a time frame for a lot yes. of things. But uh, there's other plants that it just is going to um, like push another bloom or the foliage will be fine and you, you lose some of the blooms. Yeah. You know, it just kind of, the plant's not gonna be dead, but you just lost some of the flowers. And I know that the standard rule is you take your fingernail and scratch on like the- um, On the wood. It, on mm -hmm. the wood to mm -hmm. make sure. And if it's mm -hmm. green underneath, that still shows that it, there's some healthy action going there's, on. There's right. a lot of times we can get, you know, kind of a little antsy and, and want that, that plant to bounce back a lot quicker yeah. than yeah. it actually does. And we get, you know, no, it's dead, just pull it out. But it may take several months sometimes for a plant to grow out of it where it's going to look dead until the weather really starts warming up. You get into a longer growing season and then they'll start flushing out. So it kind of depends on your patience level. So, level but maybe wait. A lot of times it's like it's, we tell people to wait, don't do a severe pruning because right, they're right. pretty resilient. I think sometimes, like you said, we're not patient and the plants are pretty resilient. Yeah, and, you know, and, that, and that even goes back to, you know, when you have, you know, some ice damages or, you know, damages from, you know, heat stress where you're gonna get some burned foliage and burned leaves. It's, you know, mother nature really does try to re regenerate herself and make, make come back. And, you know, the more we kind of try to mess around with that, sometimes we screw things up a little bit. <laughs> right. um, but if we kind of let them start flushing, regrowing, flush and regrow the new buds, then we will start seeing where that damage is, and then we can clean it up. Yeah. But it's always good to be patient. Yeah. yeah. There's never a too late of a time to, to prune back, is there? No. No, like, you know, a couple, so, couple yeah. years ago when we had, you know, our big heat, heat mm -hmm. dome here in the northwest, we were up in 116, and, you know, a lot of the conifers really got fried and burned. You know, I still have damage on my my conifers from that, but they're they're flushing out, and it's less and less every year. But you know, because it's a big tree, I'm not going to go in and prune it all back. But as you know, Mother Nature is rejuvenating, mm -hmm. and that's been over a year. Yeah, it's up to what you're going to expect or what right. you want to look at. Right. Yeah, you're not going to take your big dug first down or whatever. Right. Yeah, and we had a lot. I mean, we noticed it on the show. We have a lot of trees that got that southwest and west mm -hmm. exposures. And it, they've had drought issues already, so when they're already stressed out, it's just going to get worse. So we're talking about extreme weather. The one thing that was very extreme a couple of years ago was the smoke. Mm. And for those people that don't know that we had uh, record wire, wildfires here, we had smoke also from Northern California fires that came up into the Northwest. And it created days and days of little or no sunlight or filtered sunlight. Yeah. What happened to some of the plants there? Well, for um, in our area, it was no sun for so many days. It was dark. Dark, dark. It was really frightening, and it got so cool all of a sudden. I mean, it was like the end of June, and mm. all of a sudden, it was 20 degrees cooler during the day. And so the poor plants thought, oh, okay, the days are shorter, it's cooler, we're going to start going into fall mode. So even broadleafed evergreens started dropping leaves. Deciduous trees started right. dropping leaves, and it was like, uh-oh. But, you know, I think everything came back, though. We, we were patient. We told people to be patient. And um, they were most on and on, you know, more so that they were okay the next year. Okay. So you just have to and, be careful. You know, things that were flowering yes. stopped flowering Stop and flowering. dropped all, yeah. all of their flowers yeah. instantly where you're like, oh, geez, my plant is dying. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like you're saying, you know, if you're, that being the patient, I don't think anything really died from it. Mm -mm. But it did set it back, reflush, hit the reset button, <laughs> flush the new growth, suck, 
new foliage and rebloomed. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know that uh, the wine industry too. There was a lot of uh, smoke taint on the on the grapes, and they were trying to figure out OSU was involved in that Oregon State University, and trying to figure out how to make use out of those grapes because you can't get rid of that that smoke right. yeah. flavor in there. Um, so let's talk about. We live in the Pacific Northwest. We get rain. We've known for that. And I don't think a lot of people know. I think New York gets more rain, actually, than Seattle. We just have longer, drizzlier days on the calendar. Um, so this year we had record rainfall. What problems do gardeners see when something like that happens? I mean, it was cooler, too. Yeah. So. yeah, so it's one of those, you know, when that plant never dries out and it sits in a bog, a lot of plants aren't used to, you know, sitting in those kind of conditions. Um, and it's, you know, I have some at home that, you know, I have some rhododendrons that I planted this, this winter that are, they look wilty. And it's, mm. they've just been sitting in wet for so many months, they've just not been able to dry out. New roots kind of rot because they don't have, have the drainage. And I think that's kind of the key for a lot of things whenever we're, whenever we're planting anything in our yard, we need to make sure we know what that soil is, what our drainage is, and, and, and make sure our soil is amended. Because it's going to help, you know, come those wet, rainy seasons when we have standing water. If that water is not draining out and running anywhere, you're going to have issues. And it also helps with the health of the plant in the summertime when it does dry out. Because those roots are established, the water, the soil is going to be able to hold some water without, you know, totally running away. So, you know, make sure our soils are, are amended, have the drainage, have the good nutrients in there. It's going to the overall health of any plant, either for too wet or too hot, is going to help that plant. Right, and then this is a good time of year. We had record rain for um, the Oregon area. Um, we had, um, oh, I don't know, four inches over average for April. It was just horrible. I think two days of sunshine. Yeah. So look at your garden and see, do you have a lot of wet spots? Because maybe that's chronic there. So maybe you can change it now. So going forward, it's, you're not going to have problems. So maybe you have to replant things or maybe you have to add in a French drain or something and do some kind of mechanical work there so that you're not going to have problems down the road. Well, we talked too about mold and mildew. So mm -hmm. those conditions happen with the, the moisture? Oh, yeah. So, the, you know, the, everything was leafed out. Every, plants were on schedule and then all of a sudden it's there's no sun and you get cold temperatures. We were like 10 degrees colder than normal, and then it's even colder at night. So yeah. it was it was pretty terrible. I mean, with the wet and the not drying out, that's mm -hmm. where you're gonna start getting some of your black black spots, your bestritis, mm -hmm. your, yeah. your mildews mm -hmm. are gonna be a lot more prevalent in those areas. And especially when you do get that sun that comes out <laughs> and then goes right back away again. You know, where you have bouncing back and forth between the sun and a lot of rain, you're gonna get a lot more issues. Yeah. And I, I'm for people at home, Botrytis is a gray mold, and if you have strawberries, mm. a lot of times you will see that in the spring um, because they're so low to the ground, they don't dry out. And if you have any kind of wet weather, warm or wet rain, warm mm. weather, it's going to create those perfect conditions yeah. for that botrytis. And you know, um, too, we can talk about mm -hmm. um, containers. A lot of people have containers. Yeah, and yeah. so if you can take your saucers away, especially for winter and spring, because then it's not going to hold water. And if you notice that there's, you know, your, your containers are floating, tip them out. You yeah. know, you have to make sure that those plants are just sitting there. I mean, they're just, they are um, not able to help the, with the drainage sometimes. So you just need to tip them out and make sure that they're um, as healthy as possible in those rainy days. And that's showing a sign too that your, your drain holes your are drain plugged. Your drain holes are right? plugged, you right. You know, replant that pot. Um, so now we're getting into summer, and we talked about the heat dome last year, the 116 degrees. 
So when a plant is stressed like that, what can a gardener do? You mentioned a little bit about mulches. So um, what does a mulch do for a, for a plant in extreme heat? Right, so typically with, you know, like a, a mulch would be either like a bark dust, um, a good layer of like a garden or garden soil or a mulch that you'll, you'll either buy them in the bags or in bulk. Um, what that mulch will do is basically kind of provides an insulator layer over the top. It helps with any break, well, breakdown eventually add nutrients back into the soil, helps with reed suppression, but it also provides that barrier from the heat that's baking down on there. It gives a little bit of protection so those roots of that plant are not drying out as quickly. So it does help retain the moisture in, in the ground. Yeah, and it, you know, I think that's so important because um, it, we, especially here, we don't have the best soil. We have heavy clay, um, so it's, it um, bakes in the sun and then it gets really hard. So when you put that mulch on there, it just adds a cooling, you know, a cooling event to that to that area. Yeah, and sometimes people put the mulch on <clears throat> too far. I mean, it goes up to the base of the the plant, which is not good. No, not right. at all. Yeah, you don't want to bury the right. bury the the plant and right. the crown. The crown, right. but um, you know, but it also <laughs> brings up a good point of when you are are planting, you know, when, when we typically have like a heavy heavy clay soil, you know, where we're digging our digging our hole a lot of us get in the habit of, you know, just digging it the size of the, the plant, root ball that that plant is coming in. And, you know, when you have a heavy, heavy clay soil, you do there basically just acts like a basin where it's going to hold, hold that water and that plant is going to either rot in the wintertime or those roots are not going to be able to get out and get established through that clay barrier mm -hmm. where then in the summertime you don't have that, the roots established where it's going to dry out a lot quicker. So it's, you know, it's imperative that when you go you know, the plant, that plant, you are digging that hole much, you know, you're going deeper and then backfilling it up with a good, good plant mulch mixed in with what, you know, the native soils that have come out, dig it wider, you know, and fill your hole with water before you put your plant in there and see how it does. If it drains right out, you're great. If it sits there and holds it like a big bucket, you yeah. might need to, you know, yeah. make sure you do right. it a little bit. And they call it mudding in when you, yeah. when you fill up the hole with water. Yeah, Jane McNeilan taught us that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our local OSU extension expert. Um, so we were talking, too, about, you know, the, the size of the hole. And I always heard the, the saying, you put $40 into the hole for a $10 plant because you want to have, you know, twice as wide as the, the pot that it's in. You want to have it, you know, where the crown isn't buried. And the right. crown is where the roots end and the stems actually begin. And you want to be, give your plant the best chance for success by doing that. So um, we were talking about um, adding a fertilizer. So um, a lot of people will add a, a fertilizer. They try to get their plants off to a good start. Planting during a drought is not a good time to do that, is it? Uh, well, sometimes it's time when you have time to do it. So if you're going to be planting in the middle of summer, mm -hmm. you need to make sure you're adding compost into that hole. Right. You need to be mudding it in. You need to be watering it. You can't go on vacation within two weeks of planting a new plant or even right. a month or so. People plant and it's like, well, I'm out of here for a month. And it's like neighbors aren't going to watch. You know, right. the dog sitter isn't going to watch this plant. And so you have to make sure that plant is getting extra care in the middle of summer. I think you can plant any time that your ground isn't frozen, but it's extra care. It's extra work if and it's in the middle of summer. I, I'm, I'm guilty of and notorious for constantly moving plants around in my yard. Um, and I do it pretty much year round. Uh -huh. You know, I moved some last week and, you know, I got tired of this over here. So I dug it up and moved it over there and did this around. And then we had some heat. I did get a little bit of wilt. But, you know, I'm also 
pretty on top of my, my yard, and I'm out in it all day, or every day, not all day, but every day, paying attention to my watering. But I am prepping my hole. You know, I'm putting in good soil with mm -hmm. it. You know, I have a little starter fertilizer that's going into the hole, um, and I'm keeping it moist. And if I do get some wilt, I'll do some little selective pruning. But I think if you are diligent, you know, you know, just because it's summertime doesn't mean that you can't plant. Right. Yeah. And then the rule is too, is whenever you get a new plant in the ground, that first year, especially drought tolerant mm -hmm. plants, people right. think, well, it's drought tolerant. Right. That first year, it's very important to keep it well watered allow it to establish, and then it's that drought tolerance becomes an, an attribute further down right. the road. So. Right. And I think we've learned too is slow deep watering. Instead of just sitting there with the hose and doing, you know, five right. seconds, you know, have a slow, let it soak in, even like walk away and then go back again. Right. And then you know that that whole root ball is getting wet. And even take your shovel or a trowel and see how far down that water is going. You know, typical, you know, one gallon, five gallon, you know, a shrub or tree, mm -hmm. you have almost a foot deep, if not more, mm -hmm. that that water needs to penetrate down. So if you're just watering a little bit off the top of the hose, it's only going to go down, you know, an inch, maybe. That you that slow trickle is definitely important to make sure that is getting all the way down, and then it's not drying out as quick either. Yes, so, yes, definitely. Because I think you know people get in the summer months, they get in the habit of they water a lot, a short amount of time, often. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's establishing just a short amount of thing. The roots are not going deep, right? Because they need to go to where that water is. So like in your lawn or in your shrubs, if you're only watering that top, top inch, you're not getting the watering down. It's not you know, promoting that deep root growth that you need to be able to withstand the, the heats later. Yeah, definitely. You know, I like to take an adult beverage out there if I'm watering. And you brought up watering, and it, this brings up a pet peeve. And I even see people in the industry talk about this about watering your plants in the heat. You're going to burn the leaves. No. The droplets are going to burn the leaves. And it's not true, is it? Not true. No. no, no. It's proven. It's not true that if you put water on a leaf, it's going to burn it. It's no. not like a magnifying glass. Well, it's... and some people say, and we've even done this as mm -hmm. a demonstration, for a magnifying glass to burn paper, you have to hold it up and so that right. the focal focused. point is focused yeah. on right. that piece of paper. And the same is true for a leaf. So you can water during the summer in the heat right. it's not always the most efficient use of water because it evaporates almost as quickly as quickly trans right. what transo evaporation is yes, what, the term yeah. but uh, that's a pet peeve and we always yeah. we see uh, nursery owners we see master gardeners we see a lot of people that re recommend that and it's not true it's been proven right. yeah and the plants are so happy i mean you're you're cooling it down you're giving it some more humidity and so they can really absorb that through their leaves um, and it cools the air around it. So yeah. you're really kind of creating a little microclimate right there. Because we the did plants. have, you know, the spring, you know, we've talked about how we've been so wet and cool this spring. But we did have just a quick turn where it bumped up into the low 90s after being, you know, in, yeah. the, in the 60s for, you know, in 50s and cold and wet. That, you know, that quick transition was also very stressful on the plants. And being earlier in the spring, you know, my hydrangeas are always the case. It seems like every spring, the first heat that we get, there's not a, there's no amount of water that I can put on that plant to keep it from wilting, wilting down. It's just that new growth is so tender and so lush, and it's just so delicate that it hasn't really hardened off. Right. You know, so it's not mm -hmm. you know not used to being. It's just a fresh new leaf, so it's hard to keep that. So there are some things 
I was going out and putting like a big golf umbrella mm. over the top of my hydrangea mm. when we had the heat just to kind of keep the sun off. I kept it wet and misted down to keep the, you know, the, the temperatures cooler in the leaves so they wouldn't burn. And it did definitely help this year. I did still get some little bit of crispy leaves, but you know, you do have some extremes where you're bouncing back and forth from one extreme to the next that you can do some, take some measures like putting a shade, shade cloth over it or an umbrella or a little, you know, canopy over, you know, certain plants that might be a little bit more tender. Oh, yeah, definitely. Or else you can move those containers. I know during that heat dome, I moved all my containers way out right. of the sun against the house in the shade because they were just frying. It was just, they were, yeah. it was yeah. just so hot. Well, so, but the main thing is, is that we know plants want to live. <laughs> we want to give them the best conditions to do that. So um, we hope some of those tips help. Um, after a word from Capital Subaru, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about zonal denial <laughs> and what that means to you and your plants. And we'll be right back. Start your new Subaru story at Capital Subaru. We are like nothing else. From the moment you step through these doors, you see it, you feel it. We do things differently here. Our people, our culture, our customer experience. Tell us what you're looking for and we'll upgrade the way you shop for Subarus. When you're just browsing, need great service, or starting your next adventure, we're always here for you. It's your story at Capital Subaru, your way on the parkway. Join Garden Time as we hit the road again. In September of 2022, we'll travel to Holland and Belgium. We'll visit the world-famous Allsmere Flower Auction, Flora World, the University Gardens of Ghent, and the Japanese Gardens of The Hague. We'll also visit the once-a-decade Floriot Expo, the World's Fair of Gardening. Enjoy the sights, sounds, and tastes of Ghent, The Hague, and Amsterdam on this wonderful tour. Go to Garden Time Tours for more information, and we'll see you in Europe. Welcome back to Garden Time. I'm Jeff with Ryan and Judy. Um, we're going to, we talked about extreme weather and what that means for plants and gardeners, um, especially here in the, the Pacific Northwest. But we're now going to talk about zonal denial. So this is where you know what your zone is. And for us, it's a zone seven, which is zero and above generally. So um, that means that you plant plants that are not hardy or may not be normal for this area. So zonal denial is you're saying, I don't care, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna put tropical plants out. And we do that here. So what is the attitude when you put out a plant that is not made for this area? Uh, so I got a plant, it's called Mandevilla, and it's got these beautiful blood red flowers. They're like trumpet flowers, and it's a vine that I have in a pot on my deck, and it's just gorgeous. But it's like hardy to San Diego, but it's just gorgeous, and I just feel like I'm on, a, on vacation when I look at it. And so um, it, it's not that expensive. I could afford it, but it, I will enjoy it all summer, and then it's gonna go away with the frost and you know at Halloween, and. And I'm not going to try to save it. I don't have a greenhouse. I don't have somewhere to put it. So I'm just going to enjoy it while I can. Yeah. And, and then there's some, I also love to plant, you know, zonal challenge. I do <laughs> a lot of like the collocation, you know, the big elephant ear, oh, big leafy cool. ones. You know, I'll dabble with some like the bananas, you know, some, you know, also big leafy things. And there's, you know, sometimes, you know, I'll plant them. And I, like you, Judy, I, I put a lot of them in pots and containers or I'll put them in the yard and knowing that I'm probably not going to 
see it again after fall and the cold comes. But you know, there are times that you know I may luck out and it may come back. Mm -hmm. So I'm usually not going to be you know real in a hurry to rip it out for winter. That I will leave it in the in the ground and just kind of see what it does. You know, I may like I have some of the big allocations and allocations in my yard. I may you know try to insulate them and mulch over the top a little bit. Try to protect that crown and make sure they're in a good, well-drained area. You know, and if we don't have a real hard winter, mm. you know, I may luck out and have them have them come back. Or generally, I'll just you know rip them out and put something new and different in for right. the next year. And you know, some people are really um, like you guys. You have a, a, we greenhouse, have a greenhouse, yeah, and that yeah. thing is chock full for winter time. In the winter time, yes. you have beautiful things. How old is your geranium that you put in there every year? Oh, see, now this don't bring this up. I have a lot of garden center owner friends, and they're like, "Why are you overwintering geraniums? Throw them out. It's, a, it's right. like a poinsettia. Throw it out." And then just be done with it and start it fresh the next year. But it, yeah, we've had many, many years with geraniums. We have That's citrus. Kind of fun. You know, we we make a nasty limoncello because uh, <laughs> our yellow is delicious. It's really good. And uh, but those there, you know, a lot of people they um, as gardeners we don't want to put stuff in our garden that we think is going to die. And so a lot of gardeners have problems with putting a tropical plant out there and treating it as an annual because they are kind of expensive you, you mm -hmm. can spend you know 40 to 60 dollars on a plant that's only going to last one year and that's how many petunias can you buy with right, that right. right so gardeners love challenges don't we yeah yeah you know and it's, so it's fun it's fun when those things come back i have a calla that's coming back it's this gorgeous orange one it shouldn't be coming back i mean it's not that hardy and it's coming back right. i'm really excited see i always i always look at it you know if i'm going to I can spend $20 and get, you know, a nice one gallon plant from a garden center. That's going to last me for three, four, five months during the spring and summer. Or I can spend $20 for a cut flower bouquet that I'm going to throw away in a week. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you know, sure. I'm going to get more enjoyment out of, you know, planting some of these things and having them in my yard that I may be able to cut and use them as a cut flower too. But, you know, I'm always thinking of it that way that, you know, I can get so much enjoyment out of it. And if I lose it and it doesn't come back, that's okay. Right. You know, but so, it, it's, having that, it's having that attitude going into that per plant purchase, knowing that you can get that much enjoyment. I have, oh, a, question. I have a question for you. If you were to take out your wife <laughs> <laughs> or cut flowers, which would she appreciate? Oh. So she definitely does like to cut flowers, oh. and I do do that from time to time. You do. You are a good but guy. I, but I do. Uh, I'll bring home an orchid. Oh, nice. Right, so I can, I can go spend twenty, thirty, forty dollars on an orchid and get you know two, three, four months months, out, months yeah. out of out of it and blooming in the house and enjoy it, and then when it's done, I'm not one that will typically try to get it to rebloom. Mm -hmm. um, I'd rather just th throw it away <laughs> <laughs> and go and go buy another one right. and have that. But you know, but you can you can you know you know try to get those to sure. rebloom and enjoy those for several months of just looking at green foliage. Right, but. that's a challenge. <laughs> So we're talking about zonal denial. Right. So we know that some plants that we're going to try are not going to be hardy here, but we're going to bring them into our gardens. We're going to welcome them, welcome them as guests for the year. <laughs> there you go. Um, so what is, we know that our zone is changing here in the Pacific Northwest. So what does that mean for gardeners? Because you used to be able to get, you know, different kinds of plants. Now we're getting warmer and warmer and we're getting warmer and warmer plants available, which aren't going to survive our normal winter. So as gardeners, what do we do 
with uh, the changing of our, our zones across the United States. Yeah, because you know, it, it's, it's opened up a lot wider selection of plants sure. that we can, we can plant now. So, you know, I, I think of, you know, Hebe's as an example here in the Northwest. You know, Hebe is kind of a nice, you know, small, small shrubby. It's a little on the tender side. There's a lot of, a lot of varieties here in the Northwest that haven't typically lived through through the winters, but you know you can get some that you know like the variegated foliage or the deep purple foliage, mm -hmm. and you know they have a nice, you know, dark purple flower. I really enjoy them in my in my yard. You know, there are some hardier. You know, in the past we've lost them a lot over, over the winter time. They're just right on the edge, but lately it seems like we're able to get away with them, and so I've incorporated them back into into my garden. And knowing them, hey, this is a bonus. I've gotten you know three, four years of it. I know they're still on the edge that I could lose it if we have a really hard winter. But it used to be you lose them every, every winter. Year, yeah. yeah, you know that or right. like a, the formiums, the New mm -hmm. Zealand flax. You know the big purple bladed grasses. You know were another one that you know you'd plant and cross your fingers and not usually get it to mm -hmm. come back. But it seems like now we're getting those to come back pretty regularly year after year. I've seen yeah. some that are huge. Oh, yeah, yeah it's not five right. or six feet, yeah. So, so as a retailer, Judy, when somebody comes in, I mean, you're picking plants, you buy indoor plants, you buy perennials in for the nursery. What are you looking at as a buyer to address the whole change in zones? Are you just going pretty much by what's available from the growers? Oh, always, because what's available. But, you know, I think with the, um, it's almost like you're stretching the um, people's palate. You know, you're introducing it like the formiums when they first came on or the hebes. It's something that they might not have put in. So you're kind of giving them that extra plant. It's like, I can't guarantee that this is going to be, you know, come year after year, but um, enjoy it while you can. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, we're always looking at the new breeding um, stock that's coming in and it's like, well, they say it's zone eight to nine and so maybe we can cheat it a little bit or maybe you have a little microclimate in your garden right. and it's gonna be okay because it's near the house. Or So yeah, you're always looking to see um, how you can cheat mother nature a little bit and kind of get, kind of slide in and, um, and it'll survive even though she's throwing stuff at it. So Ryan, you're now picking out plants for the nation. Judy picks out plants for the local stores. Right. What are you looking at for different changes of zones and stuff around? Yeah. The US? So there's a lot. You know, having done a lot of traveling lately, going down in you know the the southeast and seeing you know things where it's it's hot and it's it's humid. Mm. You know, we don't have the humidity here in the in the Pacific Northwest, and so looking at plant material that you know needs to not only take the heat but the humidity, or then you get up to the you know the Midwest regions where you have a different growing condition there, and looking down at you know the southeast where it's just hot and dry, you don't have maybe as, as cold temperatures in San Diego in the wintertime that you're losing it out. So it's it's been very interesting to see. You know, there's a lot of things that will survive throughout the United States to some to some degree, which is you know the list is not enormous, but there's definitely those those plants and a lot of the annuals oh, sure. will. Mm -hmm. You know, and then just might thrive a little bit better in one area than than another. Um, but, you know, there's also things where, you know, we can look at, um, you know, research like your local, you know, extension agency. Definitely. Uh, is, is always a good, kind of a good source of that. Or your, you know, local garden centers tend to be pretty on top of, you know, what's going to survive best in your region. You know, these are surrounding just like you do to your, your, around these plants and know your area and you can say, yes, this is going to survive the winter or will 
or if we're lucky, or this will definitely, it's bulletproof. Right, right. right. And then we talked about that last week. We had the uh, Great Plant Picks list, which comes out of Seattle for us. Mm -hmm. And we had the uh, National Garden Bureau list, which is more of a national list. But we were talking about, since we're talking about extremes, we we were talking about drought earlier and uh, what that means, you know, the heat, the drought, drought tolerant plants. And we have a couple of sites, and uh, Ryan has one uh, pulled up there. We also, in in the Northwest, we have. uh, watery efficient plants for the Willamette Valley, which is where we live. And that's part of our, uh, the Regional Water Providers Consortium. And I'll have all those uh, websites up above on, this, on the screen. Or you can go to um, our website, gardentime.tv, and I'll have the links to these sites there. But um, Ryan, go ahead and let's uh, talk about some of the trees and shrubs for drought tolerant. And when we talk about drought tolerant, we're not te- talking about Plants that survive in the desert, these still need water, right? But they can go short periods of time without without water, correct? Right, and that's you know it's important to kind of think too as as you you know study the area that you live in. So here, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, we do get drought, but we're also very wet in the in the winter time. So we have many months of wet, you know, soggy soggy soils where we're only in you know typically drought situations or real dry for maybe three two, three months out of the summer. So, you know, a, a drought tolerant plant here in, in that condition versus, you know, the middle of the desert is, right, is a little bit, right. little bit different. So right. you do, and that's where coming in and finding out exactly what your, your zone and your region is and doing a little bit of homework. Because even broken down here in Oregon, you know, we're in the Willamette Valley area of just outside of Portland, where it's a di- very different growing condition here than it is you know, two, three hours away on the other side of the Cascades where it's high desert. Right, very different, oh, very right, different. Right, right, that's, that's an entirely different, you mm-hmm. know, gamut of plants there. And what's, you know, you know, an hour or two, you know, west of us on the coast is even different than what we are here in the valley. So it's making sure that you're, lit, you're, you're studying your, your region where you are and finding, finding the plant that will work right in that area. Right, and I think too, lately, um, the last couple of years here, there's been a big trend to go to native plants. Yes. And so, you know, you're really having things that are bulletproof for your area. Right. And every, every region has those kind of plants right. that you know that you can trust to do well. Right, and so, you know, for, for us here in the Northwest, you know, there's, you know, like the pine, like the ponderosa pine is, a, you know, is one that's on the list here. This is put out by the, the Oregon State University Extension Agency. And so this is one that's um, very drought tolerant. And, you know, and like we, we t- kind of touched on earlier, just because something says it's drought tolerant doesn't mean that you can just put it in a hole and walk away from it and never water it. Right. Um, so it does need to get established. So it usually takes, you know, that first year is going to need, you know, summer, summer watering at least weekly. You know, the next, the next year, you, know, you can probably get by every couple weeks to four weeks or whatever and then after the th- you know third year or so it's going should be pretty pretty set yeah. but you want it it is a gradual to get it up to a drop to, but drop you still right, right. you still want to keep an eye on it because I think oh, yes sure. you talked to Lyle um, at Bartlett tree experts who were on our TV show many many times and he was talking about overall watching that tree over the length of time definitely and you know during the heat dome I have a big leaf maple I mean this plant is probably I don't know it's 50 feet it's probably 
I don't know, 60, 70 years old, I was watering it during then because yeah. the poor thing, I just felt so bad for it. You know, it's just like, I'm not hurting it and it's like made me feel good. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you just want to kind of help them along because they are not used to that kind of weather. Right, and, you, and a lot of times when a plant starts showing stress, it's sometimes too, too late. late to, right. to right. you can throw as much water on it as you, as you right. want, but it's still going to right. not respond. And so, sometimes you'll yeah. get delayed reactions yeah. mm-hmm. from, yeah. from a plant. Just, it might have made it through that first year sure. um, of you know, extreme temperatures, but it was damaged enough from that heat that it didn't recover the following year mm-hmm. and come back. And you'll see that from time to time where you see big established old, um, you know, like cedar trees yeah. or, or fir conifers. trees, yeah. conifers, mm-hmm. you know, during that heat really, you know, they got burned and they, they held on and did what they could for the rest of the summer. And then about a year later, you started seeing some right. dying out as right. a result of right. that, mm-hmm. not having that water. So it's yeah. always good to, even those ones that have 100-year-old trees, yeah. that, you know, extreme conditions might need some You're some helping them along. But there are, you mentioned uh, trees that are and plants that are local, and I see uh, white oak, Oregon white oak, which is... Mm-hmm. Depending on where you're at, it's called something else. We call it the right. Oregon white oak. It's uh, what's the Latin? Uh, Garyana. Quirkus, Garyana. Yep. Garyana. So Very I good. mean, the, the you know the the Gary oak. Gary oak. Uh, we yep. when we went on a, one of the Garden Time tours, they kept on referring to the Gary oaks, and we're like, we have no idea what this plant is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the Oregon white oak for us. Right. So. We forgot. Yeah, we also have something you know, Oregon grape. Yeah, right. Oregon we grape. talked to which sure. is Mahoney aquifolium, but just sometimes goes by Berberus. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So depending that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, multiple names for multiple plants and cha- changing names of genus right. and you know, midstream. But um, so that was, you know, the Oregon grape is another one, and then uh, vine maples. Vine maples, that's another good one. You know, it's good, good native, a native plant in there mm-hmm. too. You get it in some of the willows. Yeah, well. you think you think of willows as you know being you know able to take the real wet, which mm-hmm. they which right. they do. Right. But then in the summertime when they don't have that wet, they hold on to that and, and can you know, withstand that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, various shrubs, as you mentioned, Judy, the, the native plants. I mean, there's, uh, we were just talking about the Mahonia, the Oregon grape. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other ones, too, that people can use in their gardens that will be just as effective during drought conditions, during those extreme heat events, um, because they're normally used to this. And we always say, you know, we know what goes here because we know what grows here. And that's kind of the, the thing with natives is, a native plant for whichever area you're in, those native plants are always going to perform well for you oh, in the definitely. garden. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And you know, the shrubs, um, like the the currants, I mean, they're beautiful. And right. there's the ones that you see out in, the, in nature, right. you know, when you That's go hiking, the, and then they have the really pretty ones that you can have in your backyard. Right. So those That's are really the, nice. The ribes. Ribes. Sanguineous. And right. And then... Right. Um, oh, I was just thinking one now, I forgot it, but um, there's just... There's a... Um, I don't know. I just lost it. <laughs> the Arctostaphylus. Arctostaphylus, the manzanitas, right? Yeah. Is a, is another one that's very very drought very drought tolerant. You know, Ceanothus. Right, and there's um, even some of the roses, like the native roses, like the, the Nicaragua roses, mm-hmm. and you know, those are the smaller flowers. Right, but you know, right. it's it's you're still going to get color. You're still going to get pretty flowers. Right. You're still going to get good you know good growth. Good you know 
um, good things for your pollinators. So they right. do a lot of double yeah, duty. Yeah, spirea, like spirea, the Doug Douglas spirea is another one that would and be. There's even be grasses. Good. I mean, there's a lot that, that'll do well and you'll still have a palette and then you'll be saving water. A lot of people want to want to do that, that they want to make sure that they're using their water resources well. Right that they're, um, they're not a tax on the environment, and so they're but, really planting yeah. to, to do that. Which, you know, kind of brings up a good point is, you know, when you're kind of looking to do a planting in your yard, you know, you want to kind of you make sure you're surveying the area of what, where it is you're planting, mm -hmm. you know, the requirements of what it's going to take for a plant to live there. You know, a lot of times we we're talking earlier about, you know, a hell strip, mm -hmm. you know, that little, that little <laughs> narrow sec section of dirt between the road and the sidewalk. We couldn't side always say hell strip. The sidewalk. <laughs> a TV. It, it's a hell strip. <laughs> it's hard. You can't it do lawn there. No. And it's, it's ridiculous. Right. And you, and you see it often of, you know, you drive through some of these neighborhoods where, you know, you have to have your lawn there and you have to have grass. Well, it's sometimes not the best place. Yeah. So it's, you know, trying to, you know, picking a plant that's going to survive in that area. So instead of doing like a lawn where you, it's a very you know, high water requirements, a lot of maintenance of trying to get it to mow, you're using maybe a lot of you know, sprays and chemicals and fertilizers sure. to constantly mm -hmm. try to keep it looking nice. There's a lot of options like some really good drought tolerant like ground covers, like mm -hmm. you know, cr creeping times you know, are, are wonderful that it's, you know, stays low to the ground, helps kind of suppress the weeds, very low water requirements, you know, it flowers, it looks nice. You know, you can get into, you know, we talked about some kinikinics or some of the lower cotoneasters right. or things like that that can, can do the same thing, make it look nice without having all the weeds but much more you know, friendly as far as watering and care. Right, and our friend Bonnie from the Regional Water Consortium, she did that and she had um, catmint, nepeta, and it was in full bloom, it was gorgeous, or lavenders. Right. So there's so many different plants and it doesn't have to just be a shrub. Yeah. You can do some flowering right. things there too. Yeah. And you know, be really yarrow yarrows, one. that's another, another one. Another one right. that does, does great in But you kind of want to remember too, right plant, right place. You don't mm -hmm. want to, you want to pair plants that have the same, roughly same needs. You don't put water plants in with drought tolerance. Right. You know, right, right. So exactly. remember that. And going to your local independent garden centers. Now, I read plant tags. You read plant tags. You, yeah. you know, right. you help write plant tags. Yeah. And I know that growers can sometimes be very over the top and optimistic in, <laughs> and, and making those tags. But if you go to your independent garden center and you ask somebody, is this going to handle the drought well, you know, or drought conditions, or is this a, a plant for wet conditions? A lot of times they'll say, well, the tag says this, but this plant really kind of performs better here. Right. And so they have that information. Sure. So going and checking with them. Um, this change in weather, this change in zones and the extreme conditions, is it just helpless for the gardener? Oh, no. No, not no, at all. Not I, think, at all. I think, if, you know, you might have to start thinking maybe a little bit differently as to, you know, if that's what you've been planting and you know, um, you know, maybe you need to start thinking about a little different different plant or branching out and finding something that's coming from another region. So, you know, things that are typically grown in a hotter hotter region, you know, you'll you'll start seeing those come, coming oh, into sure. your garden centers mm -hmm. and you know experiment with those. I know you know for myself, you know, it's trying to think outside of the box. I do a lot of containers on my my patio every year, and I will mix in 
doing some of the zonal challenge. So, you know, I'll put in mm -hmm. some of the colocations. I'm also even bringing houseplants, but it's, you know, thinking differently about what you can, what you can do. Just mm -hmm. don't think, oh, a houseplant has to be in the house. It's right, get... no, right. Not necessarily. I can go and plant that, that houseplant in a container, enjoy it for months outside, and then before it starts to get cold, I can dig it up, put it back in the pot, and bring it back into the house. Sure. Right? Or I can just let it die and plant a new one. Right. That right. it's, you know, you have those choices as to, you know, what can you do, think differently of what your, what your norm is. And that's kind of what we need to do as our, as our climates are changing, as our you know, weather patterns change, and we see these more, more severe thing is to kind of think outside the box about what we can do right. in our yards. And even you could do, and if, you know, you're busy, everybody's busy, so maybe you need to put soaker hoses, maybe you have to put an right. irrigation system in. You can't be out there watering if we're going to get these extreme temperatures, so maybe you need to get more mechanical in your yard yeah. to kind of help with it. Yeah. Maybe that would help. I have, in, in my yard, I have drippers in every pot, wow. every hanging basket, every bed has things. I can leave for weeks on end and it all waters itself. Mm -hmm. But I'm also diligent where I'm out there and I'm checking it. Yes, you have also, to. Also, you know, so it's one of those. So even if you do have right. some of these, you know, systems set up, you still need to make sure you because you'll get clogged emitters sure. and clog this and you know overwatering. So it does take some adjusting, but it's but you, you know, just you be on top. Of, it does yeah. help. It takes it takes the pressure off where I can know that I don't need to, to be, be staring at it. Mm -hmm. and it'll, it'll live. Yeah, it's going to be, it's, you know, I know we're, the, we're all really concerned about that, about the weather changing and the zones changing, but it's going to bring different plants for us. And so I think that that's kind of a bright spot in it. It's like, it's not all doom and gloom. It's, um, but maybe we can have a, we can still have a beautiful yard, even though things are changing. Yeah. And the key is, is you've spent this time building this beautiful garden right. or beautiful pots, get out and enjoy them mm -hmm. because that's, observation is going to tell you a lot more about how, what your plants are doing. So as we wrap up, um, some final thoughts about extremes, extreme weather, <laughs> putting extreme plants in extreme places. What are uh, any final thoughts? I just think get out there and enjoy. We work yeah. so hard in our garden. Do we actually sit in those benches <laughs> or on that deck? I do. Yeah. <laughs> I do. We got that limoncello. <laughs> but, you know, but I think as, you know, as we, we hear all of these extreme weather you know, events that happen or have happened you know, it, it's easy to kind of get scared yeah, it's about true. not wanting to do do something mm -hmm. or not knowing what to do. And I think it's, you know, we need to remember that it's, you know, these these happen. You know, Earth has been around for a very long time. <laughs> right. You know, and it's a very cyclical and not mm -hmm. to be extreme, but be aware and be open to, open to changes about doing something new, you know, evaluating kind of your yard and the use of what you're doing in your yard and how you're using it mm -hmm. and adapting. Yes, you know, and that's adapt. what we do as a society. That's what Mother Nature does. You know, we adapt and we can do the very same thing. Uh, for and I think gardeners are adaptable. We're not patient, but we are <laughs> that's adaptable. That's right. <laughs> well, we always talk about, you know, oh, I want to raise the plants that my grandmother had in her garden. Why don't you be the grandparent oh, that passes on new right. plants mm -hmm, to your you grandkids? Um, that's it for today. Thank you very much, everybody, for uh, <laughs> watching and listening. Um, please share our links with your friends and family who love to garden even those that don't like to garden. Um, of course, we want to thank Capital Subaru again in Salem, Oregon for sponsoring. Check out our website, gardentime.tv, to find out more information about the show, um, our archive from our 16, 17 years on TV. Um, plus, you can contact us through there. Um, we'll have all the links for today's uh, podcast yeah, on there. Um, 
Send, send us your questions. Send right us back. your questions, yeah, except for you, Rick Naylor. <laughs> <laughs> no more from Rick Naylor. No more pepperonis. <laughs> no, yeah, no pepperonis. So uh, everybody have a great uh, week, and uh, we'll see you soon, and happy gardening. <laughs>